Good evening and welcome to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and follow the podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, subscribe, whatever button you have to press on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's episode, I'm going to be doing a deeper dive onto the brand new Seattle Kraken, which were just announced today as the brand new expansion franchise. Now, everyone knew that Seattle was getting a new team. That much had been confirmed uh, about a year or so ago, I guess. Honestly, I can't even remember when Seattle was officially and formally announced by the NHL because it just feels like time doesn't really have a, a sense of scale anymore. But all that said, the NHL officially unveiled their new team name and the logo, as well as the uh, the jerseys for the new squad, which will be available sometime in fall 2021. The logo itself is fairly simple. They have an S that has like a tentacle running through the middle and an I to, I guess, represent a giant kraken. The shoulder patches are anchors with the, uh, the Seattle, I think it's called the uh, pin or spire or something, whatever the Seattle tower is. Or, oh no, it's the Seattle needle. Uh, it actually runs through the uh, anchor, middle of the anchor on the shoulder patch. The jerseys themselves are like a darker navy green color with uh, some lighter navy green accents, I think a little bit of red trim, um, and generally just a fairly clean looking jersey. I would give the design a solid 7.5 to 8 out of 10. In person, that number could jump up to closer to an 8.5 out of 10. I think it's a fine design. It's not really one of those jerseys that looks particularly flashy or anything. I think for me, I really like the Vegas Golden Knights jersey because it was simultaneously gaudy and a little bit uh, overwrought, but also very tastefully done, if that makes sense. What I liked about Vegas was that they incorporated some cool little trim, um, some multiple textured uh, pieces of fabric, and then some little embroidery work that was a little more neat and very different than what most of the league is running. At the bare minimum, it definitely puts uh, Winnipeg's aviator jerseys to shame, which I really hate to say, but I just don't really care for that powder navy blue design that the Jets came up with. I just feel like it's a little generic, and it doesn't really have a whole lot of uh, identifiable characteristics that remind you of the Winnipeg Jets. You know, say what you will about the base jersey design, which is a little bit simple for the regular home and away jerseys, but Winnipeg's logo is always very distinctive because it has, uh, you know, connections to the Royal Canadian Air Force. The Aviators, I felt, just didn't really have that same pizzazz, and while it does look clean and it's a little bit better in person, I just didn't feel like it really told you that, yes, this team is the Winnipeg Jets. And the Seattle jersey is a little more distinctive. I think that you can kind of get the sense that it looks like a, a jersey from a team that sits on a coast. It's very dark, a little bit on the heavier side almost in terms of color gradation and stuff, at least from the concept art that we've seen, and it seems to be thematically appropriate. It's not really all that showy though. It looks like they wanted to make the jersey stand out, but not in a way that was gaudy or a bit too much. I will probably get a jersey if I can, although I have a feeling they're going to sell out really quickly just because I think a lot of people really like the design. Uh, I have to say that the NHL's new expansion team jerseys, as far as I'm concerned, have both been very good. I, I think when you compare it against the rest of the league, they have done a lot to make it a lot more visually appealing than some of the currently existing designs. It actually makes me wonder if uh, a lot of the other NHL teams should maybe go back to the drawing board and revisit their current existing home and away jerseys. In European football, every year you usually get more creative kits and designs, and oftentimes teams will change what style they use or... or uh, graphics and design that they have uh, printed on their kits. 
In the NHL, you see a lot more consistency year to year for jerseys. So whenever you get something like an expansion franchise, you always have an opportunity for some really cool looking designs. And I think that that is at least a really good opportunity for teams to get creative and think outside the box. I think that the rest of the league could really follow suit and come up with some more interesting designs than what we've seen already. As far as the Jets are concerned, I'd love if they just changed to those heritage white and navy jerseys that they've worn in the outdoor games. I think that those designs are fantastic, I love them, and I really wish that those were the home and away jerseys just permanently. The rest of the team details remain uh, unannounced, and in our next bit we'll talk a little bit about what the implications for roster claims are going to be, because after COVID I think a lot has changed for the NHL, and that also applies to the upcoming Seattle expansion draft. But I think for for stuff that I would like to see from the Seattle franchise itself, uh, especially in their choice of what they do with their stadium uh, ambiance, I think that it would be really cool to have like a foghorn or something as their goal horn, and then if you can find some local music or maybe like a sea shanty or something as your goal song, get a little bit creative and silly with it. Vegas kind of set the bar very high when they had this whole silly giant knight's helmet with these live-action performances and then the weird Tron-looking drumline. Now, obviously, I don't think that Seattle really needs to follow suit with that kind of display, but there's no doubt that the Kraken are going to be looking for some kind of symbology or, or something a little bit more, I guess, involved and interesting than what they currently have with a lot of the other NHL teams. Maybe a giant octopus or Kraken or something that descends from the ceiling and players come through that as their tunnel. Um, pyrotechnics, of course, would be fun. I also think that they should have uh, a lot of fan involvement because I think what Vegas, you know, did very well was, especially in light of the tragedy that had happened, they became a staple in the community and really reached out and connected with fans at a fairly deep level. And I think that Seattle would do uh, well to kind of take those lessons and reach out and connect to the community uh, from the ground level up. Obviously, Seattle isn't going to come into the league with the same circumstances and really the same struggles that Vegas encountered. Uh, you know, you, you could never imagine that, that horrible tragedy of the shooting and what the consequences of that would be. And, you know, thankfully Seattle won't have to suffer through that, hopefully. But I think in the way that Vegas became an integral part of that community, especially during a, a very turbulent time, I think that Seattle could take some lessons from that and really work to, to work around the community to become a part of the local culture and ultimately give back to a community that has likely gone out of its way to support this new team. I like to see NHL squads that put money and resources into serving the community because I think that that is ultimately a major part of what you know pro sports organizations should do. We can all be jaded about this kind of stuff and think, oh, you know, they're just doing it for show. But I think it's still important. I mean, regardless of what exactly your intention is, money is money and resources are resources. So if you put them back into the community and help build long-lasting programs, you can do a lot of good, even if your intentions are a little bit suspicious. I definitely don't advocate for that particular approach, but it's how a lot of corporations and entities are going to view things. So to some degree, you kind of have to accept that things come with a bit of strings attached. Hopefully, whatever community programs see the, uh, the Seattle Kraken come up with are just for the community and, you know, without all of these extra conditions attached to them. The Kraken are frankly going to arrive into a league that is going to be very different than what was anticipated uh, probably when this franchise was first uh, submitted as an application to the league. I have to say that COVID has completely upended everything that we expected about what the next 
four to five years of NHL hockey is, is going to look like, let alone the societal changes that are probably going to come out as a result of all of this. I, I think that the Kraken are going to face both a very unique challenge and a very unique opportunity because over the next couple of seasons, the cap is expected to mostly stay flat, which means that a lot of teams are going to be hitting a bit of a cap crunch. You know, a lot of players are probably holding out, waiting for the escrow uh, percentages to come down a bit before they start working on mega contract extensions. And that is going to put a hurt on some of these teams that really can't afford major major dollar deals, especially with the cap not really moving. They, a lot of them already have a lot of contracts and money put aside already, and so these teams are going to be in serious trouble. I mean, what are you going to do with all of your young prospects if you can't even afford to pay them? You know, Vegas definitely taught the league a lesson about being much smarter as to what players you expose and, and how you protect your assets, but now that COVID is a thing and now that the cap is not going up, that has added a unique condition that did not exist for the Knights, and certainly for the teams that the Knights took from, and so these squads are going to have an obstacle that a lot of them really can't surmount without more than likely paying Seattle to take some contracts or take prospects. This gives the Kraken a, something of a unique advantage because they can accrue a lot of assets that they probably weren't going to get under a normal expansion draft situation, especially from teams that are cash-strapped and really can't afford to uh, pay their current existing young core with whatever resources they already have. As far as teams that are kind of in a rebuilding stage and have lots of money on the books, I could see a couple of teams that could particularly benefit from a relationship with the Kraken. I think the first is going to be the Anaheim Ducks. Anaheim has a lot of money committed to older players, as well as a number of expiring contracts around when the expansion draft is going to be a thing. Because they have a lot of expiring contracts, though, and they have to protect a limited amount of, I guess, youthful players, I do think that Anaheim will probably have to pay some kind of an asset or something for, I guess, the Kraken to take one of their crappier older contracts. I kind of look at Adam Henrique's deal as maybe something that comes off the books because Henrique has signed for several seasons. He's almost $6 million. He is now like 30 or so, and I feel like he's the kind of player that Seattle would get into an immediate top six role. And while he is an immediate contributor, especially in Anaheim's current present, I don't think that he really fits that core long term. He signed until about 2024, and that's a pretty decent amount of time, but it also would get some serious cap space uh, taken up on Seattle's books. So it might be a bit of a win-win relationship if they can work out a deal where Henrik goes to Seattle. One team that may have some issues to sort out is, is the Boston Bruins, because they already have to protect a number of players who um, have no movement clauses, and they have quite a bit of committed cash up front. Now, what they could avoid is is, you know, if they pay an asset already and send one of their older players, like maybe Krejci, off for a season or something, maybe that's how they play it. Uh, Krejci has only, I think, one season left on his current contract and expires after next season, so he might be a, a candidate to take. They also have a lot of depth forwards who are kind of in their mid to late 20s, and if you could convince the Kraken to identify one of those players, I think that that would be fine. I think that they can get away with that. Their defense doesn't have too many players that I think they would be particularly upset about losing. Uh, Matt Grouchuk, of course, would be somebody that I think they would want to protect. They have to protect McAvoy and probably Brandon Carlo. Although I imagine one of those protection spots probably goes to Zidane Chara, depending on what he does. Uh, if he signs an extension, he may do something else. I don't really know what they're going to do with that situation because he can only protect three defensemen. So Boston has a little bit of work to figure out there. 
I think the Sabres, I don't even think that they're really an issue to be concerned about. They have a lot of dead weight on their roster, and honestly, Seattle taking some money off of their books would probably be very helpful. Jeff Skinner is a huge anchor deal, and they've got Kyle Ocposo committed through 2023. Nakposo at this stage of his career, he is barely a third liner. If they can get $6 million off the books, that might be uh, of use, because I think the rest of their contract situation is mostly okay enough. If, however, they could work out a deal where Seattle pays Buffalo to take Rosmus Ristolainen because Seattle thinks that, that Rosmus is useful, that could be uh, an interesting storyline, but I don't think that that's the case. I think Seattle is pretty smart, and I think that based on their hiring practices, they're going to be pretty wise to a lot of the, the shenanigans that teams might pull. So it's going to be hard for, for any of these squads to, to pull a fast one on the Kraken. Calgary will probably try to get Milan Lucic off the books, although he has a no-movement clause, and I'm not really sure what that NNC is going to look like, uh, especially come uh, expansion draft time. Maybe he, he does waive it so that he moves to, A, a really cool city, and B, you know, gets to be part of an expansion franchise that's young, growing, and a really exciting opportunity to rejuvenate his career. I also think that because of his his playing style, his long-term playoff experience, and maybe even some of his on-ice leadership, those qualities would appeal to a team like the Kraken, who also need to eat up cap space very quickly, but not on a contract length that's going to kill them. Lucic is also okay at promoting on-ice play and facilitating stuff, especially with his two-way transition play and his strong physicality, so he might be an okay fit for a team that's going to need uh, some, some defensive and physical support, but, you know, not from a complete deadweight of a player. And I think Lucic, even though he's definitely way overpaid, you know, he's only going through 2023 on his current deal, and he might be an ideal candidate for Seattle to figure out a way to have Calgary pay up to take uh, Lucic's contract off their hands. Carolina, of a lot of the teams that are going to be suffering from expansion draft syndrome, they're definitely going to be at the top of the list because of how many different players they have under a decent amount of contract length at the right prime younger ages and with the amount of talent that a lot of these players possess. It's going to be a tight fit, but I could easily see one of their defensemen getting sent off, maybe like a Brady Shea or a Jake Gardner. Um, one of these guys who signed for a lot of money but is maybe not as effective as the Carolina Hurricanes are usually used to. The forward ranks could also get hit, but I, I would be surprised if they didn't protect somebody like, you know, Nita Ryder and Trocek. I think that those guys could definitely uh, stay, or or maybe Trocek is on the outs and maybe he doesn't get uh, protected because he, he is not exactly cheap, um, but he, he is only 4.75. So I don't know, that's that's kind of a weird situation. I think Carolina has a lot of decisions to make going forward. I think that they would probably like to shed somebody off their blue line first because they definitely have more deep prospects uh, of the higher caliber that could easily take over one of those spots versus their forwards, which they definitely have uh, very talented forward spots, but uh, they have a lot more prospects to fill those roles. Chicago, I, I don't even know what uh, the Blackhawks are going to do. I don't really think that anyone that they're going to lose is going to be particularly troubling to them. They have lots of older guys, lots of mid-20s guys, but most of the mid-20s guys aren't particularly special, and I, I don't know, maybe they lose one of their goaltenders. Not really much to, to kind of pick through there that I think the uh, the Kraken would be particularly excited about. 
Colorado is a little bit of a different story. I think um, the Avs have quite a few players and prospects that they'll want to protect and make sure that they uh, stay clear of that uh, Kraken's malls, I guess. Andre Burakovsky might be one of those players that if he were to sign an extension, at, you know maybe the Kraken take a look at him because he's young. He scores quite a few goals. Even though he's not exactly the world's most uh, darling underlying stats player, I think that he does provide significant value, and he could be something of a trade ship. Uh, I, I think that there's a lot of players like that in Colorado that you could maybe sneak away with. Generally speaking, though, I think the Avs have done a pretty good job of managing their roster, and their brain trust seems to be a lot smarter than it was uh, just a couple of season ago, seasons ago. So they may play hardball and make sure that the Kraken don't get one of their more talented young players. Um, Columbus, uh, yeah, I mean, they have some guys that they want to protect. They have a lot of expiring assets over the next two seasons. Most of those guys, I don't think that they would be too upset about losing. You know, obviously Jones, Orensky, uh, probably Murray, those guys they'd be concerned about losing. I, I think they should be worried if they lose Nutivara as well. Uh, on the forward end, they have a lot of late 20s and then some early 30s guys, so that could be a weird situation. Maybe they want to figure out what to do with a guy like Boone Jenner, who is uh, not too many years off of expiring. And he's not really super badly overpaid, but he's also not really producing a whole lot for almost $4 million, so that could be a contract that they want off the books. Gustav Nyquist also is like $5.5 million. And while I do like Nyquist's game, and I think he's very productive, I think that he's not exactly somebody that the Blue Jackets are going to be married to. Dallas, yeah, I don't even know. Um, there's lots of roster guys there. There's a lot of old players. That's a weird team, man. I look at that team, and there's like a lot of depth players who might be more productive than their top sixers. I don't really know what to say about that other than that. I think that uh, Seattle would have a hard time finding a really great player unless they could find a way to get somebody like Foxa or, or Janmark out of there. I don't think that there's too much there to pick from that would be particularly appealing. Detroit, yeah, we're not even going to touch Detroit because the Red Wings are depressing. They don't have anything of real interest. Yeah, just let's just pretend that they don't really exist. Um, the Oilers are going to be in a funny situation because they also don't have all of that many roster players that I think would be a huge boon for Seattle. Maybe a Zach Cassian is the kind of player that you would take because he's expensive. He runs until 2024. But he's not super expensive. He's only a little over $3 million. And relative to his on-ice impact, that's actually decent money. I could also see, though, James Neal trying to be moved. Neal's got a couple of seasons left on his deal. He's $5.75 million, And really, he's just not that good. So maybe Edmonton tries to pay him to get him off their books. Same with a guy like Miko Koskinen, who's being paid $4.5 million. Although Koskinen plays a, a position that they have no depth in right now other than a couple of young prospects uh, and you know if Mike Smith kind of craps out it's basically down to Koskinen or Bust so maybe they uh, maybe they try and move Neil first before they do anything else uh, Seattle's going to have a hard time I think with some of these teams because there's not that many great options to choose from and there's going to be NHLers but I think that for the most part teams are going to try and pay uh, Seattle to take money off of their books because a lot of these teams are going to be dealing with contract extensions coming up for their young players, and with the flat cap, it's just going to throw a lot of things into chaos. For the rest of this week's episodes, I think we'll take a look at some of the implications for what Seattle is going to have to deal with and contend with, as well as 
what the teams Seattle is targeting are also going to have to deal with. I think that this is going to be a really interesting process, and we've never really had an expansion draft in a situation like this. So a lot remains to be seen. I think that there's a lot of intrigue, and certainly the next uh, next several months are going to be very interesting for the fledgling Kraken squad. Thanks so much for listening. Before you log off, be sure to check out our Locked On National Podcast hosted by Sir Avampado. Have a great night. Go Jets go.